Ryan Little. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Blue Blood Podcast. I am uh, last week's Duke basketball team of podcasting, Jeremy Chisenhall, joined as always by Kyle Lance. Kyle, Duke lost in basketball, Louisville lost in football. It's a gr- it's a great time to be a Wildcat fan. How do you feel after those losses? I feel honestly like Rick Ross after finding pears at a green. That's how good I'm feeling. Really good right now. Like what a you said what a time to be a like a Kentucky fan. What a time to be alive for those things. Really. I mean, come on. We'll we'll try to we'll try to avoid uh Louisville and Duke hatred too much. We like to stay based on Kentucky and not seem like haters too much, but um certainly an enjoyable time. You feel good just a little bit, even though Kentucky football is struggling, you feel good just a little bit at Louisville lost. Um, honestly, I wish I could watch video of that Louisville offensive lineman slowly falling over on his back on loop for like three days straight. It'd be great. Um, anyways, we've got a great show for you guys today. We're going to recap and give our thoughts on both of Kentucky's games since our last show, the wins over Canisius and Michigan State. And we're also going to preview some of the games upcoming this week. Got a few against some lesser known teams. Uh, and we'll also, while we're doing that, we're going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of what is presumably the number one team in the nation now, uh, in the Kentucky Wildcats. And then we're also going to get to, uh, some of Coach Cal's comments that he made that were just, uh, just revealed and talked about earlier today. So we'll talk about those as well. Um, but I want to start by talking about the Canisius game, which obviously in the end was an easy win for Kentucky, but it showed... Kentucky's biggest weakness, in my opinion, and that is their three-point shooting. Um, We'll get to the solution or the Band-Aid of that, which we talked about this topic multiple times, but we'll get to the solution or the quote-unquote Band-Aid of that they showed against Michigan State later when we talk about Michigan State. But first, to focus on really just how badly they struggled uh, with that three-point shot against Canisius, they've got all the talent and the athleticism in the world. Every single one of their starters can finish in the paint with ease, and that, that's great, but this team can't shoot consistently. They, they didn't make a single three-pointer the entire first half of that Canisius game. Uh, Winion Gabriel, the 6'9 forward with the 7-foot wingspan, the last person you expect to make a three on the floor, was the first one to make a three-pointer, uh, and that happened in the second half. He had one. Uh, Malik Monk eventually had two. Michael Muller had one, and that was it. As a, as a whole, the team shot 25% from the three-pointer from the three-point line in that game, which just won't get it done against good opponents. Um, Kyle, what, what did you think of Kentucky's inability to shoot the three against Canisius? I think it really, I mean, the glaring thing here is, I mean, people will look at that from outside and be like, oh, that's not a really big deal. But we've already talked about this a couple times on the show before, and we're going to talk about it again now. It, it shows like it could be a big roadblock for this, this basketball team. And it really, I mean, people, oh, well, the ability to shoot a three, I mean, how is that very crucial? Ask the 2010 team with John Wall and them that got bounced by West Virginia because that's the reason they did. They ran into a game where they just couldn't seem to buy one. And that could, and, and any NCAA tournament game, it's not just Kentucky. There have been teams in the last six years, teams before that, that had an inability to hit a three in games, and that's just a big thing. I mean, the three-point shot has evolved in the last few years. It's become such a crucial part of the game, and especially Kentucky's game, because we could have guys, you know, that seemingly make almost every three. <laughs> James Young, 
Aaron Harrison. Aaron Harrison's hit a couple big threes, I think. I mean, maybe, just, just maybe. Um, I mean, they might have been significant, depending they, uh, on what your definition of significant yeah, is. Yeah, I, eh, I don't know. Possibly. But, I mean, <laughs> could have been. But we've had guys over the last couple of years, we've been blessed to have guys that shot the three-point ball well, like Deron Lamb. I think he's a big reason why we obviously were national champions four years ago. And he was such a – just a – he's shot – just a shot specialist. I was trying to find a better word for it, like a better synonym, but shot, that's, that's also good. But Sharpshooter maybe from deep. There you go. Yeah. But it's just like, in the end, in the end, that could be the death nail for Kentucky team if we run into a good defensive team as a West Virginia, hopefully not, or a Wisconsin or a Creighton. Creighton is a team I will give love to because they beat Wisconsin and look good doing it. Force 19 turnovers. But Kentucky – it's, it's just – it's a big it's – not, it's not a big issue. It's a big issue when it comes to certain games. I will give you that. But that is all – but it can't be taken lightly. This cannot be taken as a thing like, oh, well, what if, uh, what if De'Aaron Fox has 17 assists and feeds Bam Adebayo every single time like Bam Adebayo is a truck? Uh, no, probably not going to happen. So it's, it's not something uh, – it's weird. It's kind of hypocritical for me to say, like, it's something, but it's not something. But that's the, that's the best way I can put it. It is – something that we need to keep an eye on but it's also something that over we can't overlook or overestimate so that's how I feel about it how do you feel I I keep going back to the 2009-2010 team and I think we've we've compared those two teams together maybe way too often but I just see so many similarities and as that team was going into the tournament you know there were experts that were saying oh they're the number one seed but they're not going to win it because they can't shoot the three and I just completely shook that off. I thought, that's ridiculous. There's no way. This is the most talented team in the NCAA right now. And they were right. It was because they couldn't shoot the three. Now, I think that this team has a chance to fall fall victim to that same issue. Um, And if they can learn how to shoot the three, we're going to talk about Malik Monk in a minute, but if they can get some stable three-point shooting from some other guys as well, they're easily the best team in the country, and I think that they, they've got a ridiculous chance of winning a national championship if they can if they can learn to consistently shoot the three from multiple people. And that that's that's their only that's the only weakness I see in this team because against Canisius they didn't do a bad job of scoring as a whole. They shot over fifty percent. They shot fifty one percent from the field, which was the second straight game in which they shot over fifty percent. So you know, like I said earlier, they can still finish inside. They're great at that. But as a team, they can't hit the three. Um, and like I said, we're going to get to Malik Monk in a minute because he showed that he can indeed hit the three against Michigan State, but the rest of the team didn't. Uh, we'll go to that Michigan State game now. Uh, just go ahead and start talking about that. that. I mean, they dominated this Michigan State team. They had a lot more freshmen than Tom Izzo was used to. Plus, they were dealing with some injuries. So it was, it was pretty likely to be a win for Kentucky, but the question was by how much. You know, I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be a very close game. Um, just because of Kentucky's inexperience, but Michigan State showed that their inexperience was actually worse, and it ended up a blowout. Uh, I think we learned some great things on defense about uh, this team against Michigan State, and we found one good three, one very good three-point shooter uh, in that game as well. But focusing on the defense first, before we get to the before we get back to the three-point shooting, we'll take a break from that for a second. They absolutely shut Michigan State's offense down. I mean, Michigan State had just 48 points. They shot 
an abysmal 33%. They only shot 19% from three-point range. Not a single Michigan State player scored in double figures. And, you know, it was talked about in the media a bit beforehand, kind of like the back and forth that would happen between Miles Bridges and Kentucky's big freshmen because they've played against each other in AAU and things like that. They absolutely shut Miles Bridges down. He only had six points. He shot two for 11 from the field. Uh, to me, the defense was, was just dominant, just shutting MSU down. And it's, it's a great sign going forward, even if, even if this was a battered Michigan State team. They got, they got obliterated by this Kentucky defense. So, uh, Kyle, what did you think of this defensive performance? Tom Izzo, Michigan State's head coach, said it best. That he, sa he said in the postgame, he thinks this is John Calipari's best defensive team he's had at Kentucky. And that's a great argument in itself. There's been a couple really good defensive teams, obviously the national championship team, and most of that was, you know, some, some, some good player. He went number overall, but I, I think he turned out to be a bust, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he's that good. But uh, in all seriousness, no, we've had good defensive teams in the past, but they just – I think this – honestly, I'm going to go – a lot of this defensive intensity that they had in this game, I think it goes back to what we talked about last week with the being snubbed and not really being talked about as a Final Four team. I think that lit a fire into these guys. Like on a national stage against Michigan State, we can show this country what we're about, and we don't have to do it with flashy offense. We don't have to do it with highlight dunks. We can do it with our defense. And I think they took that to heart because, man, oh, man, did they lock down – one of the best pure scorers in all of college basketball. I mean, and Miles, Miles Bridges is going to be one of the best scorers in college basketball, folks. And they shut him down for six points. So, and it wasn't, I mean, only holding him to 48 total points, I, it's, it's unbelievable to me. So, I think, I think a little bit of it has to go to, like I said, the haters and the doubters that are like, oh, this Kentucky team really isn't up to par. They're not a Final Four team. They're not this. They're not that. I think they, could, they showed when they're up to the task. And I don't think it's going to be just against Michigan State. This is not going to be a one-hit wonder. When, and I'm not saying they're going to take games off. Like this Sunday when they play Duquesne, they're not going to, oh, defensively, let's not get after it. I think they want to be the best defensive team in the SEC. I don't think they want to be the best defensive team in the country because they want to prove everybody wrong. They want to prove that not only can they be the best offensive team, not only can they be the best defensive team, they can be the best all-around team. And they just want to lock people down. Because I see that in De'Aaron Fox. I see that in Malik Monk. I see that in Bam and Sasha and a bunch of different guys. They just – this is a defensive-oriented team, in my opinion, honestly. So Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that it has to do with is – and I, I, I've, I haven't really seen it pointed out very much. This team has unbelievable chemistry for a team full of freshmen. I mean, they play like they're like they're all seniors, and they've played together for four years. They they get along so well. They play together so well. And I think that helps so much on the defensive end. And I remember Cal touching on it in his post game presser against Canisius when the, when you play when they play against a team that runs a, a deep offense. That's that you know that runs a lot of time off the shot clock. That that's where they run into problems because you know, then they don't necessarily communicate as well. But when you're just talking about a normal pace game, and the Michigan State game was very fast-paced, which helped Kentucky a lot. But when you're talking about any game that's not really slow-paced, this team plays together so well because they're all so fast, they're all so athletic, they're all so lengthy, and they get along. So I think on the defensive end that helps so much because they, they kind of just can read each other very well. And that, I think that helped a lot in this Michigan State game and their ability to not only shut down Miles Bridges, but the entire team. 
And it just amazes me that they were able to shut Miles Bridges down so well. I've got a buddy that keeps telling me, you know, all I went to see Miles Bridges play. We were, we were watching their game before the Kentucky game uh, earlier in the week. And he's like, oh, I went to see Miles Bridges play at a couple different hoop summits. And he's the best player I've ever seen in person. He's so good. And Kentucky just shut him down. I mean, they, they made it look like it was nothing to hold him to six points and two for 11 shooting. And I, I think that's that's just incredible. And you talk about some of Calipari's great defensive teams, and I, it's it's a bold statement to say that this is Calipari's best defensive team, but when you look at what they did to Michigan State, they might be. And you, you add in the fact that they're so fast and they can get up and down the floor so quickly, which means they can put up a lot of points themselves. I, I they, they got a chance to have a lot of blowouts this year if they're going to hold opponents to, you know, if they're going to hold top 25 opponents to under 50 points. I think that's incredible. Um, but we'll get back to three-point shooting now. Um, I'll give some praise before I criticize. Malik Monk was simply in fuego against Michigan State. He had a game-high 23 points. He made an astronomical uh, seven three-pointers. He did it on just 11 attempts. I mean, it's astounding to see someone score 23 points on just 17 total shots. He, he, he really couldn't miss from the field, especially from deep. And he literally carried this team's three-point effort. And I, I hate the overuse of literally, but he actually literally carried it. I, I, that's great for Monk, and it's great that Kentucky has maybe identified the one guy that's going to be you know, their big three-point shooter from deep. But there's still a disappointing aspect to that, and that's the fact that not a single other player on the team made a three. Uh, you take away Monk's 7-for-11 shooting performance from deep, and the rest of the team went 0-of-10. And even with Monk's performance, the shooting percentage from deep for the team was just 33%. I know I keep harping on, harping on this, and it almost seems like I'm being harsh, but it's this team's only weakness, and it could do them in. We mentioned before the 0910 team led by John Wall, you know, it, it, it did them in, it doomed them. And they need to have, they either need to have multiple threats from deep or Monk has to shoot seven of 11 every single night, which just isn't reasonable, or at least against the good teams like Michigan State. And that's just not reasonable. If they can, if they can, if they can, if Monk can somehow shoot seven for 11 every night, or if they can identify maybe one or two other deep threats in the country easily. And um, I mean, they will be in the next polls, obviously, but that's, that's because Duke was playing a game with, with some injured stars. But if, if they do, if they can execute from the three-point line, if they can improve from the three-point line, they will stay number one for the rest of the year. It won't matter. Uh, Kyle, what did you think specifically of Malik Monk's three-point barrage against Michigan State? And then also, what do you think of Kentucky's three-point shot going forward and how you, or, you know, how you expect it to look or who do you expect to be kind of the big shooter aside from Malik Monk for the rest of the year? Well, starting with Monk, I thought incredible performance, obviously. He's really separating himself. And I'm not trying to cause dissension or cause fans to get in a, in a raucous. But he's really separating himself as the go-to guy on this. We've all had that. I mean, we had that last year when Jamal Murray separated himself. And I guess you could say Tyler Ulis did too at the same time. So those two have separated themselves. A couple years ago, Julius Randle separated himself as the guy. And then three years ago, unfortunately, Archie Goodwin did the same thing. So, but in all seriousness, Malik Monk is setting up as Kentucky's go-to guy this season. That's fine. 
it was masterful. I love it. And then going over to the better, like I guess the better aspect or the better question, who is going to be the guys that step up from three? And I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago as well. Somebody that really has to get a solid look on playing time now because of just his probably pure ability to shoot threes is Michael Mulder. Michael Mulder can shoot the basketball, and I feel like he could be a good benefit to this team if he could get more minutes. Michael Mulder's not the only one. I think Derek Willis is another guy I think will step in and get his jump shot back finally. Ugh, I'm waiting for it. But well, like you said, Wayne Gabriel could is another guy I think could step out. He can draw guys out. I think he'll be – and I think slowly De'Aaron Fox will too. He's, his, here's the thing with De'Aaron Fox, folks. I can't get over this. His comparisons to John Wall are all, it's ridiculous. I can't get over it, honestly. Even even John Wall agrees. Even John Wall said himself that Fox has got that kind of speed and can shoot better than John Wall could in college. It's just like, well, this is it's so it's 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 like looking in a mirror. It's like deja vu. I'm just like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, crazy. So <laughs> that's I think he'll step into his own, and I think overall, I mean, it's not like I mean. As much as I'd love to see it because just everybody would be going ballistic, we can't play Brad Calipari on a consistent basis, folks. <laughs> so, but Willis, Gabriel, and especially, especially just because, I just, I, I go back to Michael Mulder. Not only can he posterize people, but he can shoot the three-point ball better than a lot of people can in the country. I think if he gets some minutes, gets some time, he can become a big contributor on this team. I think he can be an unsung hero Kind of cut from the cloth of, I, I will say, I will, mm, I, I, there's two guys I have in my head that I was, he's not a starter, so you can't really go Josh Harrelson. So I'll go with DeAndre Liggins, unsung hero, like DeAndre Liggins-esque. Not, good, not as good defensively as DeAndre, because DeAndre's the best defender I've ever seen at Kentucky. But he's got that three-point ability. I think you're right on that kind of an unsung hero type of deal. And when I when when we were, you know, go back to the Canisius game for a second. They were struggling from three. Canisius was doing a great job of forcing them to shoot jumpers, long twos, uh, shallow threes, things like that. And I kept I kept looking to the scorers table, just expecting to see Michael Mulder there at some point, especially in the first half, because they were struggling so much. And he and Cal never brought him in, and I was I was shocked by that. And I remember Matt Jones tweeting about that as well. You know, he was surprised that Cal hadn't tried Michael Motor's hand to see if he could if he could hit some threes and maybe stretch the defense a bit and open up some inside opportunities. And I, I think that if they struggle like that from three in some other games, he may have to do that. He may have to go to something like that. And I, I would also expect Derek Willis to help a lot. You mentioned Winyan Gabriel being the big guy that he is can really stretch the floor. If he can make one or two, then you have to pay attention to him. One guy that I really want to see uh, work on it, and I'll get into more into this later, is Isaiah Briscoe, because I think he's looking more confident with his shot, and I think he's getting really close to being a somewhat consistent three-point shooter. He's scoring a lot better this year than he did in, year, in last year, so I, I think he's getting close to actually being, you know, the, even the slightest three-point threat that we really want him to be. Um, but moving on from the Michigan State game and their and their three-point woes, you look at the games upcoming this week. They've got Duquesne, Cleveland State, and Tennessee Martin. Um, all three of these opponents already have a loss. They're probably going to have another after this game, after they play Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky should win all these games, not only by double digits, but probably by at least 20 points. 
And they'll go. I think they'll go into that Arizona State game in the Bahamas, which we'll talk about next week, six and zero. So there's really not even that much to talk about with this week's games, except you know where where Kentucky can improve. So Kyle, I'll let you take the floor here. What are you looking for from Kentucky in this week's tune-up games? What's the theme of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm looking for the three-point shot and seeing how they can. That's, these three games is going to be. And it's not going to be easy. These teams, although they have a loss, Duquesne is a testy team. They're good defensively. Watch out. Cleveland State, always a good program. So is UT Martin. These are not going to be pushovers. We should expect to win these games. I'm not saying we shouldn't expect to win them, but don't, don't look at them as a pushover. So, obviously, looking for the three-point shot. I'm looking to see how they come out defensively as opposed to the way they came out defensively against Michigan State. And the one guy I'm looking at, just to make more of a difference than he has, seemingly, is Sasha Kilia Jones. I, I, I look at him, and I'm just like, there's something there. There's something here. Which it's untapped potential. I feel like he hasn't played. And, I mean, it's three games. I'm sorry. I do this a lot. <laughs> but I look for this guy to really step out and really ball. I'll go, yeah, I'll say ball out in these next couple of games. I think he wants to make his mark because everybody's talking about De'Aaron, Malik, Bam, all these other guys. I think he wants to be part of that conversation, too, because he's one of those freshmen that came in with this class, too. He doesn't want to be the forgotten guy because we've seen what happens to people who think they're the forgotten guy, Daniel Orton. So, <laughs> just saying. Uh, but that's I'm looking for that. I'm also – the one thing I'm looking to see how many threes Brad Calipari is going to hit in these next three games. I'm going with three. One in each or three in each? One in each. Okay, one in each. <laughs> Um, I, I'm looking, I'm looking for what I've been bashing this entire episode. Like you said, what's the theme of, of this episode, which is three point shooting. I want to see Monk get hot again. I want to see Briscoe make some. He's shooting 55% from the field right now. Um, that's in part due to his slashing ability, but still he's, he's still hitting more consistently. And he already looks more cons- more confident with his shot. When he steps up to take a three, he looks so much more confident with it. And it's still not going in, which is a problem. But I think that he's really close to actually being a three-point threat. And if he can, if he can do that, you mentioned the guys that, that step away from the rest of the team, that step above the rest of the team. And you mentioned Tyler Eulis being one of them last year. I think Briscoe is this year's Eulis. He, I think he already is mentally. I think he's, he's got that edge. He's got um, that ability, and he knows the game so well. He's like another coach on the floor, which is what Eulis was last year. You saw him directing everything on the floor last year. I think that's what Briscoe is, and if he can hit some threes, if he can get his shooting ability up, I think he's easily this year's Tyler Eulis on a team that is so much more talented than last year's, which is huge. Um, but – like I said, he's already shooting 55% from the field, so he's getting better, but he just needs to start draining those threes that he looks a little bit more confident taking now. Um, so I'm looking for that, and I'm also looking for rebounding because that has been their other weakness, which hasn't been that big of a deal, but I think when if they get into some closer games, it'll be a problem or an issue that they should at least care about. Uh, they've won every game in blowout fashion, but their rebounding has been underwhelming thus far. So I'll be looking for how Adebayo operates down low when the ball comes off the rim. I'll be looking to see how some of those other bigs, you know, Wyndon Gabriel, Isaac Humphreys, how they can, um, how they handle it and if they can get more aggressive going on the boards. Um, 
<clears throat> but enough about the games this week. There's not a ton to talk about there. I, I want to talk about something that was uh, really just brought up in the news today. Kentucky um, head coach John Calipari just recently said this about renewing the Indiana-Kentucky Kentucky rivalry. It doesn't seem like Cal wants to do it, at least not in a you know home home game sense. Uh, here's exactly what Cal said. Um, <clears throat> he said, home and home is not happening. We talked about playing two years in Indianapolis, and they said no. So those right now, these schedules are out ahead a couple years. Uh, he said, it may be in the future. There may be something in the future. So Cal clearly isn't interested unless it's on his terms. Now, I can appreciate and respect that. That seems like Cal being Cal. But I and many other Kentucky fans want this rivalry renewed. If that means home and home, if it means going to Bloomington, then that means home and home. I, I think with the talent that both programs have at the moment and what they've had over the past couple of years, a neutral site, quote-unquote, game in Indianapolis would work. I think it would be a great event to market and sell, but I think if nothing else, these games should still be happening. I really I, I miss the Indiana rivalry as much as sometimes, you know, Indiana fans just get under your skin. I really miss the rivalry. And um, I, I think that if you can't really get that neutral site, then you should, you should still do it. Now, Kentucky's non-conference schedule is already so competitive as it is. But with the SEC play being what it is, I think it really wouldn't hurt to get another very competitive non-conference game in there every year. Maybe you get it close to conference play, or if you somehow can get it, get it in there as a break from conference play. Um, Kentucky's, like I said, their SEC schedule is, is often a breeze. They don't necessarily win every game, but they win the majority of the games by a lot. So I think renewing the rivalry would be great. But I guess for now, that's wishful thinking. And as long as Tom Crean and John Calipari are the coaches at Indiana and Kentucky, it'll be wishful thinking. Uh, Kyle, what do you think of Cal's comments and what do you think of renewing the IU-Kentucky rivalry? I think from Cal's comments, um, I mean, obviously them asking to do it in Indy is kind of, I mean, that would obviously be a good draw, be sell, and that would be good. But I don't... I don't know. I don't know what to really make. Like you said, as long as Calipari and Cream coach, then maybe that's just wishful thinking. But as far as bringing that rivalry back, um, <clears throat> three reasons why it should. First one, first and foremost, I still want revenge for last year. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, that's why I'm hoping we see this team in the tournament this year at some point. I want them again. Uh, two, because obviously IU fans can talk. Okay, Big Blue Nation. We know this. Back in 2011, yes, I will bring this game up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I only bring it up for uh, I bring it up for satirical purposes. Indiana beat us on a buzzer beater from Christian Watford, as and I'm pretty sure Indiana fans have let everybody in the world know. They've probably gone over to Australia, Antarctica, and let everybody know <laughs> that Kentucky lost to Indiana on a buzzer beater in 2011. Um, the funniest part about that is to me is they put it. I'll use a quote from Matt Jones of Kentucky Sports Radio. They put it on popcorn boxes. They have a display in your arena for their arena for that team. That team alone, the team that, let's, let's put this in perspective, the team that <clears throat> three months later came to Atlanta in the Sweet 16, puffed their chest out, said, we're going to beat you again, and Anthony Davis said, not so fast. We put up 100, and we won that game handily. So that – 
I, I want it because of that, because I always want to bring that back up, because Indiana fans love talking about that game, and usually forget the subsequent game that was in the Sweet 16 and actually mattered and ended Indiana's season. It was lovely. And third and foremost, Kentucky and Indiana are two blue bloods ha, of basketball. <laughs> Indiana is a blue blood, as much as it pains me to say it. They're more of a parasite than a blue blood to us, but it's true, and they... Indiana versus Kentucky makes college basketball better. I think the committee from last year's NCAA tournament tried to shut that down our throats, unfortunately. Still think we should have been a three seed, but story for another day. But bottom line, Indiana-Kentucky needs to be something that when people think Indiana-Kentucky, they don't just think full eligible football. <laughs> they think Barely. Really, really, really good basketball and one of the best rivalries in all of college basketball. I I agree with, like, pretty much everything you just said. Um, but I, I would I would certainly enjoy this this rivalry coming back. I, I'm confused as to why Indiana doesn't want to do some games in Indianapolis. I think it would be a great thing for the fans. But um, I, I also wish that... And I can't, I can't necessarily complain to Cal for sticking to his guns and saying we're not going to Bloomington. It's not going to happen. Um, but I, I do wish that there would be a give and take on one side or the other so that uh, we could get this rivalry back. Um, if nothing else, I would love to have more conversations with Indiana fans about why your regular season win before conference play even started was so significant. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at JSChizapal and try to explain to me why that game mattered so much. I'd also like to know why you uh, cut down the nets after a loss to Ohio State when you won the Big Ten a few years ago as well. I'd like to know that as well. Just any, if, if any Indiana fans would like to brag about anything, please uh, talk to us on Twitter. We'll have a good conversation about it. We have in the past, and we will do so again. Um, other, other than that, I think that's about all we've got for you this week. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Best of luck to the football Wildcats and what will likely be their last chance at becoming bowl eligible unless they can pull a miracle against Louisville, a team that's averaging like 135 points a game. Um, but it's, it'll probably be their last chance at becoming bowl eligible, but I really like their chances against an 0-10 Austin P team. Uh, they have a pretty good chance there. Kyle, is there anything you wanted to say before we sign off? Don't, don't, be, so, don't be so quick. I mean, what's the first letter in Louisville? <laughs> they took it last night. They took that L. So I believe in the Cats. I hope they get that bowl eligibility tomorrow. Good luck to the basketball Cats, and we'll just keep going, man. Big Blue Nation never stops. Kentucky basketball and Kentucky, Kentucky athletics, Kentucky University of Kentucky, state of Kentucky never stops. It's amazing. <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed. We'll see you next week. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter, at J.S. Chisenhall. He's at Kyle Lance underscore. Uh, check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, you can find us under the J&K Sports Show page. And uh, follow Asia Blue on Twitter and Facebook. You can find both of those, Asia Blue, on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.